Good morning, everyone. It's good to, to see you this morning. If you're new to St. James, um, my name's Josh, and I'm the vicar here at the church, and it's great to, great to welcome you. If you're already here, you know that I'm Josh. That's why I was saying that. Um, it's really good to, to worship God, isn't it? And it's a real delight to, to gather together as, as God's family. And I want to touch on that in just a moment, thinking about uh, God's family. Um, it was really good, uh, actually, last week, last Sunday evening, we had a, a really great time of uh, worship and looking at God's Word, and uh, real, real joy to see um, uh, Tim, Tim Latham, step into exploring uh, leading worship. And uh, the reason I mention that is because I want this to be a community, a place where we can explore new gifts. You know, many of us may have been doing certain things for a number of years, but actually want this to be a safe place where we can explore new gifts. And it was great to see Tim, Tim step up into that and uh, do a great job. Um, I know from my own experience, sometimes when you step into something new, actually you don't always do a great job. And uh, I speak for myself, and that's okay. You know, we want this to be a community where we can try new things and explore what it is to be the family of God um, together. Now, we're um, halfway through a series on godly relationships where we're exploring, thinking about marriage, sex, singleness, and human relationships. And uh, I've encouraged people that if you've missed any talks to go back to the website and listen to some of the talks. As always, our series do fit together, but perhaps they fit together even more so in a a series uh, like we've been exploring over the last um, few weeks. And in this series, I've talked about how there are four key values that I really want us to think about as we explore uh, godly relationships. And it's really important, I think, that we hold all these things um, together. And the first one is that I want us to really be prayerful, that I want us to be asking the question, you know, what is God saying to me? You know, sometimes it's very easy, isn't it, to say, well, I wonder what God's saying to that person over there on the other side of the church. But what is it that God is saying to me? And how can I draw near to God? How can I grow in my relationship with him? You know, our vision focus this year has been draw near, hasn't it? Draw near to God. And uh, he will draw near to us. And we want to be a people that step towards him, that we grow in our relationship with him. uh, Secondly, I've invited us to be biblical. We're a church that wants to... Uh, sit under the authority of Scripture. And uh, what I, what I want to say within that, that doesn't mean to say we read something and we take everything literally as it's said. But what we do want to do is get underneath what the Bible is saying to us. We want to read it intelligently and explore what it is that God is saying to us uh, through the uh, Scriptures. And uh, uh, the third one is I invite us to be distinctive that, uh, as I quoted from Isaiah 55, that it says there, quoting God, saying, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And a recognition that sometimes, actually, what we think isn't always what God thinks. And also, um, as we look around us in the world around us, actually, there are things that are out of alignment with God's ways. And within that, we want to be distinctive. It's really important that we hold all these values together. And then the fourth one, which I think is really important as well, is that I invite us to be loving. You know, we want to be a loving community, a community that seeks to put love at the center of who we are and what we do. That both means loving God and also loving one another. We want to acknowledge that all of us get it wrong. We all mess up. We all all make mistakes. We all fall short, as the Bible talks about in Romans 3. We all fall short of God's glory. None of us can... Uh, can throw that first stone that Jesus invites, you know, when he says to the Pharisees, you who are without sin, throw the first stone. None of us can throw that first stone because we're all sinful um, and we want to be so aware 
of God's love. And this morning I want to draw out specifically what I talked briefly about in the first week. And that's about the new community that God creates. I was talking about in the context of our brokenness and that often many of us can experience real difficulties. But within all this, God wants to create a new community of which all of us are invited to be a part. And this, as I outlined in that first week, is all in the context of the big narrative, the big story of the Bible, starting with God himself, who is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we get this wonderful picture, don't we, in Genesis of let us, com- let us create humankind in our image. And right at the beginning, we get this sense of God being community. And I think it's just a wonderful thing that we worship a God who existed in community and love, it, love uh, existed before he even created. You know, if he was by himself, love could not have existed because actually to have love, there needs to be community. And that's what we believe about the Trinity, that he uh, is community, that he lives in community. And in, in, as such, he invites us to be people who love. We are created in his image. And he invites us to be people who respond to his love. God creates us in his image and with that need and desire for community. And he invites us to be part of of his community, God himself. But he also invites us to be part of the church, the Christian community. And uh, as you look around, you know, we're all part of a community. As you look around, I mean, I I don't expect many of us would probably all hang out together, would we? unless we were part of the church. We're all so different, um, got different interests, different backgrounds, and yet we're all called to be a community together. I think that's one of the great, uh, great strengths of the church, that actually we're so different, and yet we're all united by this wonderful unity in Christ. Now, uh, as we explore this, you know, we, we're aware, aren't we, that relationships um, are a wonderful thing when they're going well. They bring us life. They bring us joy. They're wonderful uh, things, but when relationships are difficult, when re- relationships fracture, it can create real heartache. And I know from my own experience, and I'm sure most of us here will know what it's like when uh, relationships either break down or there are real tensions and difficulties in those relationships, and they can have a massive impact on our whole beings, on our well-being, on our sense of uh, uh, joy in our lives. And within the church, we believe that God wants to restore, that he wants to bring healing, that he wants the church to be a place where we can come and we can know that sense of community. Now, we also realize it's not always the case. The church doesn't always get it right, that we mess up. But our aspiration, our desire, is to be a place where people can experience that restoration um, through relationships with Jesus. And uh, in the church, he gives the opportunity for everyone to be part of a family. If someone has not experienced that, actually in the church, we pray that we can experience that sense of community. Now, as we look in Mark 3, um, Jesus says something shocking. Did you know that Jesus says things that are shocking? Did you know that sometimes Jesus says things that aren't all gentle meek and kind, uh, but actually sometimes he says things that are deeply, deeply challenging. And I wonder if you've ever read the Bible thinking, well, yeah, he was saying about that, about the Pharisee, but just put yourself in uh, their shoes for a moment and think about some of the things he said to them. Um, But in this context, it's something shocking that he says about his family. And so in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, 
Jesus had appointed his uh, 12 disciples. We read he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Jesus and his disciples got really busy and they didn't get a chance to eat. Mark uh, 3.20 we read, Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. Now, I'd really struggle with this, I have to say, because I love my foods. The idea of doing ministry and not, not being able to eat, um, that would be really hard. I know Martin's with me there particularly. Um, but, that, but that sense, actually, that, you know, that they, they, were really, um, they were in a place where they were struggling and obviously hadn't been able to eat. And then at this point, um, uh, we read in Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 34, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus responds, Who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, Here are my mother and brothers. And so with his immediate family stood just outside the door, he basically says, actually, my mother and my brothers are the people around me. They're the people whom I'm doing the work of God with him. In other words, he was referring to the new community that he was building. And um, Jesus' words are a bit shocking here, really, if we're honest about it. You know, um, but, but what Jesus was trying to communicate here was that he was creating a new community of which all of us are invited to be a part. And why, why is Jesus almost prioritizing the community, the new community that he's creating with his disciples above uh, his own family? Why is he doing that? Well, I think the simple reason is that actually the community of God, God's church, is something that goes on into eternity, that actually this new community we're called into is uh, really significant. And we'll see in a moment that, of course, Jesus wants us to really value our families. But he's really making a point here about the significance of the new family that he is creating. And uh, in Luke chapter 8 and verses 1 to 3, we get a, com- uh, get a picture of this new community. We read, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. And so Jesus chose the 12 disciples. He also had a number of women following him, which incidentally was hugely countercultural. Back in those days, rabbi, rabbis would tended of not to have um, women following around as well. And it's a great uh, affirmation of, uh, of women and uh, their part to play uh, within God's kingdom. That actually, as Paul talks about in Galatians, that, uh, uh, that we're all equal under God. That he values all of us and calls all of us uh, to follow him. And we also see this progression, in a sense, and the building of this new community. So it starts with the 12 disciples, these women that are following around as well, and then also we have the sending out of the 72, and then it comes to the Passover meal, which often people would have shared with their immediate family. Who does Jesus share the Passover with? Well, of course, he shares it with his disciples. Again, this community, this new community that he is seeking to build. 
And I think the message that God wants to bring to us is that all of us are welcome. All of us are invited to be part of this new community. Whether we are young or old, whether we are married or single, whether life has treated us well or we really struggle and we feel like we're in a broken place, God invites us to come together as the community, the new community, the church. Every single person is included in God's family. Jesus talks about how this new community is called to be loyal to him and makes this point in a very extreme way. Again, Jesus says something very shocking. Again, as we look at uh, Luke chapter 14 and verses 25 to 27, we read, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, hate is a very strong word, isn't it? And do we literally think Jesus is calling us to hate our parents, to hate our siblings, and hate ourselves? Do we think that that's what Jesus is actually saying? This is, I think, where we need to be intelligent in the way we understand Scripture. And actually, if we delve underneath, we see that Jesus is actually using a literary device, hyperbole. He's exaggerating for a purpose. It's a bit like if I say, if I'm playing a game of football and I'm feeling a bit dehydrated afterwards, and I say, I'm dying of thirst. I'm not actually dying of thirst. And someone might even say, you've been a bit melodramatic, Josh. But the fact is, I'm not actually dying of thirst. I'm really thirsty, and I'm communicating and using that phrase that we are familiar with to communicate how I'm feeling, that I've, I'm really thirsty and I'm desperate um, for a bottle of water. And in the same way, Jesus is using this as a literary device to help us to understand something about the priority that we are called to give Jesus over and above our families. You know, when we commit ourselves to following Jesus, we commit to putting him first in our lives. And of course, this doesn't mean that we don't love our families. In fact, the Pharisees got into trouble with Jesus, that they were pretending to be all spiritual and saying, well, actually, I'm not going to go and care for my parents because actually I want to be spiritual and I want to go and worship. And uh, Jesus really challenges them in that. But what Jesus is saying is that we are called to prioritize him above all others. And we see actually in the Bible... Um, where, where uh, we, we have this affirmation of loving our families. In 1 Timothy 5.8, Paul writes, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. God says that when we come to Christ, that we are never to be alone. We are now part of God's community. We have God with us, and we have fellow brothers and sisters and Within that, we're called to put Jesus first. And if you believe in your heart and you've declared with your lips that Jesus is Lord, you're seeking to live that life of discipleship, you come into this wonderful new context of being part of God's family. And one of the things I love for us as a family, when we go on holiday, if we're over, away over a Sunday, we often go and try and find a church that we can go along to and to worship with other believers And it's a wonderful thing because you go in and you may not know people, but there's that sense of unity, there's that sense of connectedness 
uh, even though we don't know them relationally. There's that sense of us sharing something in common. I don't know if others have experienced that, but it's a wonderful thing to know that we're part of this extended family. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In, this, uh, in the New Testament, we have this context of oikos, which means household. We're part of this bigger household, the family of God. Ephesians 2.19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And uh, Paul talks about the qualifications for overseers in the church, and he talks about um, how we are called to look after our families. Hebrews 2.11, But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Also, we see Paul, who's often seen as someone who challenges a lot, who really talks about the affection that we are called to give to one another in the context of the church. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7-8, we read, Instead, we are like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And for some of us here this morning, we'll be thinking, do you know what? The church is just like a family. It's a place where I know I can come. It's maybe a place where you've received restoration, where you've received unconditional love, where you've received welcome. For others, you might think, well, there's a bit of that, but actually I don't don't fully experience that uh, in the life of the church. And I'm really aware that as a church, you know, there's many great things about us as a community, but also there are things that we need to grow in. We certainly haven't got it perfect. And you've, if you've come here this morning um, thinking, oh, maybe St. James is the perfect church, I'm afraid we're going to let you down there. Um, but we are a church who is seeking to be a loving community. And we want to grow in that and we want to develop in that. And I'd love all of us to be part of making that happen because actually it requires all of us. It doesn't require one person. It doesn't require a small group. It requires all of us if we're going to grow and become more of what God has called us to be. Now, of course, you cannot draw up a policy or a process uh, for community, for uh, building a loving community. It's something that's organic. It's something that needs to be grown. But what we can do, each one of us, is we can pursue friendship. If someone's sitting by themselves on a Sunday morning, we can go and sit next to them. If we uh, come into church, we can put ourselves forward and seek to build relationships with people we don't know. Even this morning, you could make the decision over coffee to go and talk to someone um, who you don't know. I'm giving you permission. You can say, Josh just told me to come and talk to someone I don't know. So I'm coming to talk to you. Let's see, what we, see where we go with that. And it's sometimes a bit awkward, isn't it, talking to someone new? But actually, that's part of us building our community and growing together. You know, there are so many opportunities within the life of our church, aren't there, to build those relationships. Um, we have small groups. We have serving teams. We have prayer triplets. We have uh, pr- prayer uh, doubles. You know, there are so many different ways that we can build that sense of relationship 
one of one another. You know, by the way, one of the reasons we promote serving teams is not simply to fill rotor spaces, um, although that is helpful. But uh, over and above that, we want to build community. And one of the things that's great about community is actually when you do something together, when you muck in uh, with a group of other people, there's, that's, there's, that's an amazing way that we can really develop and grow in relationships um, with others. Um, there are also other ways. We've got Thy Kingdom Come coming up. What another great way to build community, to pray together. And Rachel has already advertised that to us. But do have a look at that and think about maybe how you could come along um, to, to something on that. Also, we have New Wine, which we do each year. A great opportunity for us to deepen and grow in relationships. Also, last year we launched um, Come to Lunch Sunday, which again we've got coming up on the 30th of June. Another great opportunity either to invite people into your homes or put yourself forward to be invited if you'd rather not host. If you're struggling to find people who are willing to host, um, then you could always go out with, together with some others who struggle with that and maybe go out for a meal to a pub or something. Just another way to build that sense of relationship and community. We've got men's groups, we've got women's groups, we've got uh, small groups, serving teams. There are so many ways to build relationships here at St. James. Now, I don't know if you remember uh, back to the beginning of last year, where we launched on Loving Community. This year, of course, our vision focus is drawn near, as you can see from the pop-up banner to my left. This year, it's Loving Community. And uh, I, this is not a rhetorical question. Can any of you remember any of the one another's that we looked at? Just far away, if you can remember. Love one another. Well done, Nick. You got in with the easy one there. Very, very wise to get stuck in there. Anyone else remember any of the others? Wow. Okay. <laughs> The talks are on the website if you need to listen to them again. <laughs> so we had, um, we had serve, yeah, serve one another. We had, that was in order as well, Martin. Well done. Serve one another, forgive one another, show hospitality to one another, encourage one another, honor one another, accept one another, stir one another up, bear with one another, and admonish one another. You know, such a rich depth in all those um, that we're called to one another, that we're called supremely to love. And in a sense, all those other ones are an unpacking of what that love is. Now, in week one, <clears throat> I was talking about marriage. And uh, the reality is marriage is a difficult calling. We also recognize that singleness is a difficult calling as well. And the church provides a place where we can be community together, that no matter what the challenges we experience in life, that we can share together both in the joys and the excitements and also the challenges that actually when life is going really hard, that we can come and we can bring our mess and we can just be here. And if we need to just sit and receive God's love and know that we are with church community. You know, as I said in the first week, I talked about marriage and uh, next week, we've got Alison Ev Evans coming to talk to us about singleness. And I'm really looking forward to some of what she wants to share with us as well about that. Um, Ed Shaw, who I quoted from last week, who um, describes himself as same-sex attracted and has taken the decision to live a life of celibacy, talks about his experience of his church that he goes to in his book. And it paints such a wonderful picture of a community of grace. He writes, I arrive at church meetings and hug my honorary Aunt Ruth, who just turned 70. 
She's single too. And we've talked about how we both miss physical affection. And so now in this way, we provide some for each other. On Tuesday evening, I pop over to a family who live just around the corner, overexcite Charlie and Toby, the latter being one of my 12 godchildren, just before bedtime, and then have supper with their patient parents, Jim and Claire. I love sitting down and talking life and ministry with them. Jim is one of my fellow pastors. Midweek, I try to get up with a group of church friends in a local cafe and catch up on the week. We're often a mix of single people and some married couples. It works best when there's a cross-section of people there so that there are more life experiences and pizza to share. On a Thursday night, Jack often pops in on his way back from work and we put the world to rights from a single man's perspective. I know, I've known him since he was a young Christian and student and have had the pleasure of helping and watching him grow into a mature Christian who pours himself into serving Jesus at work and church and further afield. On Sundays in the time between our church meeting and small group, I go for tea with a couple and their two daughters. I've known Simon and Lucy for over 10 years and was the best man at their wedding. We depend on each other for advice. We know about each other's families, finances, and faith. I'm godfather to Katie, and I've read Dogger to her, and I've been chosen as a potential legal guardian to both her and her sister, Hannah. He goes on to say, another couple invite me on holidays and open up their home all the time. David and Jolsner have cooked about 400 meals for me at the last count. I cried through the end of Mary Poppins with their daughter, Malati. Paul and Joe are often there and have me over for meals too. The three of us all share their son, Jacob, as a godchild. He finishes by saying, I hadn't got around to making any plans for my last birthday, so the couple I lead a small group with, Paul and Helen, organized a party. Fifty church family members came with just two days' notice. What a wonderful picture of what the church community can be. And uh, Ed talks, he goes on to talk more about uh, the richness of the community that he's a part. You know, all of us need that sense of community. We all need to be part of God's community. Uh, In Mark chapter 10, verses 29 to 30, we read, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. And my own experience, you know, of of doing ministry, um, I grew up in Devon, a lot of my friends and family are there. We as a family, left, quite literally, brothers, mothers, fathers, friends behind uh, when we've uh, ministered in other places. And yet, I would say that as we've gone to other places, including here, we've experienced the richness of God's local community, his church. And all of us have this invitation to be part of that community. And what I want to say is that we have to open ourselves up in that 
You know, in an individualistic society, it's very easy to close ourselves off and not be open to others. And I want to challenge all of us, myself included, that we would be people who are open to others. We are open with, our, uh, with the realities of our lives, our struggles, and our joys. God wants us to be open and to seek to build community. And so as I come to an end, just want to ask a few questions of us and just invite us to be reflecting on these questions. First question, do you need to be more open to being part of community? Are there ways that actually you can throw yourself more into community? You know, maybe you could sign up for Come to Lunch Sunday. Uh, There's a sign-up list in the church porch. You can sign up on the uh, church website as well. What a wonderful way even just to begin to build relationships with others. Why not sign up to one of the prayer events over Thy Kingdom Come, another opportunity to meet people that you don't know, maybe signing up to a small group or a serving team. And if you're already part of all those things, then why not just seek to talk to people you don't know? There are so many different ways of building that relationship. And this, in a sense, is just the beginning, but we want to deepen and explore our relationships together. As I finish off, just want to read some verses from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 to 16. Paul writes, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And I really want to stress that last line. It's as each of us contributes, as each part does its work, as Paul says, that we grow. It's not about one person, it's not about a small group of people, but it's about all of us together as we contribute and be part of the community of God that we grow together. Amen.